I love that video earlier on. It reminds me of some of our family gatherings. I was one time we were with Becky's family and all the aunts and uncles and cousins, and um, someone said, "Pass the bread." And one of Becky's uncles is a, was a pastor of First Baptist Church San Antonio, and he was on the other end of the table. He had the bread, and there's a brother on the other end of the table. There's about 25 or 30 of us, and he said, "Pass the bread." And so the pastor guy picked it up and just. Whoo, passed it really quickly across the table and hit the other brother right in the forehead, right onto his plate. And I was like, that right there is family gatherings. That's good stuff. And so even uh, not too long ago, my dad and I, were, we were kind of having competition and across the table, and he was mouthing off at me. And, and so um, we, he said something about I couldn't make this wadded up paper towel into his coffee. He had his coffee there right in front of him. And, and um, I was like, anytime you challenge me, it's, it's game on. And so he challenged me to throw my napkin into his coffee that he had just perfectly stirred up and was ready to get a sip out of. And there it went. Everybody at the table's eyes were just like, oh, my goodness, here it comes. Boom, splash, hit it, and splashed up all over his white shirt and tie and everything. And we had a great laugh. Family gatherings are good, aren't they? That's one of the great things about Thanksgiving. But also remember those that maybe they don't have family like we, some of us do. And so those that are um, single or alone there at this time, if you know someone like that, invite them in and let them be a part of your family and experience some of the fun times that you have gathered around the table together. This morning we'll continue our series on iHarmony, thinking about relationships and the principles of Jesus. And so we've talked about having a new heart, that that's the source of our communication. We've talked about how we should be humble and serve, even though we have the rights to demand other people to serve us, that we get down and, and, and serve other people even though we don't have, have to do that and of being sacrificial and a variety of different ideas that are literally upside down thinking from what the world tells us about relationships, about demanding our own rights and getting things our own way, the way we want it and how we want it. So this morning we're continuing this idea of iHarmony and relationship principles from Jesus. And we're going to be talking about this community idea of judgment. Now, I know that in a Baptist church, at Second Baptist Church, no one has ever judged or been judged. But this morning, I want to kind of pull back the curtain for those that have never been in church or maybe are new to church. And this is kind of an idea for us as followers of Jesus. So this new idea, a new um, concept that Jesus is passing out to the people of saying, do not be judging others around you. So this morning, if any of you have ever been to the eye doctor before? A couple of you, yeah. At our house, we go often. I'm actually pretty much blind. If I don't have my contacts in, I can't see you, And um, which was kind of interesting. As a quarterback in junior high to high school, I didn't have contacts, and you can't play with glasses. And so you can imagine they're running patterns and they're doing all this different stuff. And so I could just tell by the color of their jersey if they were on my team or not. And I did pretty well. And then one season, I started throwing a lot of interceptions. The coach said, what's wrong with you? And I was like, listen, I can truly, I cannot see Anything, And so I got contacts, and amazingly, things changed. Eyes are important, aren't they, when we want to see what we want to see. So how many of you have been to the eye doctor, and you've seen this little chart like this? Yeah, y'all recognize that? Like, I go to the eye doctor, and I go, E, because I can know that it's there. That's what it really looks like a lot of times. Have you ever had that up? You kind of, they kind of do it, and they're kind of doing all this different stuff, and and um, I've blessed this, I've passed this on to my children. It's a gift that keeps on giving. And so this fuzzy eyesight that we have, 
Jesus this morning is talking about us taking an eye examination. That many times that we think that we see people clearly, we think that we see their situation clearly, but in reality we see them and their situation and their story, and it's a little bit fuzzier than what we truly are getting. We need an eye test. We need to replace our eyes, our religious eyes, with some new ones. Because what we really need, instead of looking at other people and kind of examining and judging them, we need to be doing this, a reflection back. Most of the time when we see issues in other people's lives, what we're truly seeing is a reflection of what annoys us the most about ourselves. The things that we see in other people that we're like, man, I wish that they didn't struggle with that or I wish this wasn't happening in their life, a lot of times that's a reflection back of what truly is happening in us. And so Jesus says, instead of taking and judging and looking at other people, on those moments when you see something, take the mirror of God's Word and allow it to reflect back on yourself and to see in those moments where you're saying, hey, there's such and such wrong with someone, that natural inclination for us is to raise ourselves up by putting other people down. And so in that moment where you have that desire to do that and say, look at them and begin to judge them and pass judgment, Jesus says, in that moment, that natural inclination, instead of judging, take out your mirror and begin to do a close examination. Some of you have read James chapter 1, you know that passage that says, you know, to read God's Word, to be doers of the Word, but then also allow the Word of God to reflect back to you to see where God needs to chisel away at your own imperfections. Because if you were to go to the livestock show when they were to do some judging, what are they doing? They're looking for imperfections. And what we do as human beings, whenever we judge someone else, we're looking for their imperfections so that we can raise ourselves up, so we can feel better about ourselves. That is exactly what we do. And so Jesus here is even talking to the religious teachers of the day, and he says, listen, you guys are making rules and regulations, and you say that you're following them, but what you're doing is you're just trying to raise yourself up so that you can feel better about yourself. It has everything to do with an outward appearance and nothing about a transformation of the heart. It's much easier to be critical of others while being generous with our own selves. It's much easier to be critical of others while being generous with ourselves because we know the intentions of our heart and we assume that we're doing the right thing while we judge other people and call them and see them and say that they are less than. But most of the time the mess that we see in others' lives is a reflection back of the mess in our own. One of the things that you've heard me say around here quite a few times already is this. No perfect people... Oh, maybe we haven't heard it enough. No perfect people allowed. That's us. No perfect people allowed. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, looking at verses 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. And here Jesus is talking to us about an eye examination and judging. Starting in verse 1. Do not judge others. Again, remember the livestock show that you're seeing other people. You have this critical, gossipy spirit. And so you're looking for imperfections in them so that you can grade them out and pass it on to someone else. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you were treated, as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. 
hear what God is even saying in this passage. He's saying, listen, the very standards that you're using to judge other people, that you've kind of got this little list of things that you think that they should be following is the same way that I'm going to be judging you. It's much easier to be fat in the American church than it is to be divorced or gay. Am I right? When's the last time that we walked up to someone, Pastor Chris, and said, Pastor Chris, your sin is gluttony. Come on, right? But how easy for us to set little standards on some of the rules and regulations that we've kind of gathered throughout and said, hey, someone's struggling with a same-sex attraction. We've got to kind of ostracize them instead of bringing them in and saying, listen, I don't understand, I don't get it, but I'm going to walk with you through this. Because what we truly understand is this, is the standard is there's no sex outside of the marriage covenant. Our issue is bigger than a gay issue. Our issue is is that we've kind of changed the standards of how we judge things. And if we truly begin to say, hey, listen, I love you. And there's some things about your life that, that are not the best for you because I understand and I've seen and I've seen people be hurt. Then we could truly get to the truth of the matter is, is listen, sex outside of marriage is not God's best for you. And here's why. Even if you do struggle with same-sex attraction, it's the same principle. It doesn't change man, man, woman, woman, man, woman. It's all the same truths here. And so for us as a Christian church, we need to be understanding that what we stand for is that God desires a man and a woman to have a covenant relationship together and to live their life as long as they can possibly live it in that covenant relationship and that the bride of Christ and, his, and him as the groom is that that wedding between a man and a woman is the thing that he holds up dear. If you look at the beginning of the time and you look at the end of time throughout Scripture, he holds up the wedding between man and woman and says, this is what I'm talking about. This is what a covenant relationship looks about, looks like. And so for us then to begin to change the rules of what we judge is changing Scripture. So listen, for us, this is, I'm talking to me. We've got to be known for loving and bringing people in and saying, listen, the standard of God's love is this. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Listen, I know I'm fat. When I ate and chose my dinner yesterday, guess what? You think I chose a salad? Yeah. But I also chose a big old steak. It's like having a Dr. Pepper and a Snickers. A diet Dr. Pepper and a Snickers. That's going to balance those things out, right? One time I went with a friend with mine, and we were going out and doing some stuff, and I was um, an intern of mine, and he went through the, the line, and we were talking about trying to lose some weight and get into shape. And so we go through some, I think we went through Arby's or something, which it wasn't Arby's. But anyway, he got a triple cheeseburger. Okay, that's some calories for like three months. And then he gets a small Diet Coke. I was like, Russell, what are you doing? He goes, I've got to get it balanced out some way. I'm really hungry, but I know that if I get a Diet Coke, there's not any calories in there. Listen, the standard is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How would you want your neighbor's? To judge you. 
Unless we walk a mile in someone else's shoes, we don't completely understand. Verse 3. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now here Jesus is actually, he's telling a joke. He's telling a joke to his, his audience and they would have gotten it. Because listen, I mean, it is literally ridiculous to be having a log on the side of your face coming out of your eye and then you're trying to, to get close enough to do an inspection to pull out. A, it's an impossibility for us. Because of the log that's coming out of us, there's no way that we can even get close enough to do the work, the examination that it takes. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you hypocrites. When the lights of the stage come on, you put on your masks and you act as if you're Christians, you act as if you're religious, you act as if all the rules that have been put out there for you, you can do those things when the stage is on. But you've got a log hanging out. Whenever the stage lights are off and you're judging other people, that log is there and there's no way that you can even get it. It's ludicrous to think that you can get close enough to do an examination. Jesus says, listen, how painful it would be for some of us to pull that log out. I, can you imagine? It's ridiculous. There's a log in your eye. You've seen some of this stuff on TV where there's, people are impaled with things and the, the ability to pull that thing out. Jesus says, listen, get this out and deal with that. Get the healing that takes place with something that serious so that you can then bend down to someone and get in their eye because, listen, that takes compassion. It takes mercy. It takes relationship. Have you ever had a doctor get down in your face and look at you? You're hoping they've had a minute. Right? Why? Because they are there. They're talking to you. They're walking through this thing with you. They, they know what they've done. They're doing this. They've done this before. And, and they have great expertise at doing the surgery and what they need to do. If an eye doctor walked in and they had something in their eye, would you want them to do the surgery? No. She says, listen. The standards by which you judge are the way, same standards by which you too will be judged as well. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Samuel was a prophet and he went and he was looking for a new king because the, the nation of Israel had become a nation under King Saul. And King Saul was a tall, good-looking man and that's why the nation of Israel chose him to be their king because what they imagined a king would look like, Saul was that. The problem is everything on the outside looked good, but his heart was not right. And so his heart was all about himself, everything about the kingdom. He gained his own riches. He did everything for himself and about himself. And so there came a point where he was so disappointing that the people wanted to remove him and God wanted to remove him. And so Samuel began to look for and pray for who was going to be the next king. And God said, listen, I want you to look on the inside of the heart. The person that I'm drawing to be king will not be what the people think is going to be the king. And so he went to the house of Jesse and he began to look and all these brothers and sons began to pull down. He goes, oh, it's, it's got to be this one. No. It's got to be this one. No. Look, that one's strong and athletic. He's smart. No. There's a guy back in the back. He's got his abacus. He's counting. Surely he's smart enough. No. So finally, Samuel says, hey, do you have any other sons? And all the brothers are like, well, yeah, there's one more, the little puny one out in the fields. He's not the smartest guy. But he's obedient. I, I, you want David? David, come on in. 
And the moment that David walks in, Samuel says, this is the guy. Because God knew his heart. So many times we look at the outside and begin to judge and to say, who is this? We exaggerate the faults of others. We exaggerate the faults of others and minimize the seriousness of our own sins. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 and 26, it says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full full of greed and self-indulgence. Next slide. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside will become clean too. When we do the dishes, we clean the inside, right? Why? Because we're going to drink from it. And when we clean the inside, also the outside happens. Here, too many times in church, we get religious. We clean up on Sundays. We do our thing on Sundays, and we perform for those around us. But on Monday, on Tuesday, and Wednesday, we're not the same person. Jesus says to us, listen, I don't want you just to clean up. I want there to be this heart transformation that you begin to move and to be different. Integrity is the ability to judge yourself rightly and being willing to make the changes. That as you see in other people issues and struggles, look back at yourself and say, listen, am I seeing a speck in their eye because there's a log in mine? And begin to pull back and allow that mirror to begin to do the judging for yourself. A hypercritical judging spirit is one of gossip. I know they don't gossip anymore in high school and junior high, but back in my day, that was the way that we would tear people down. And I know we don't do that as adults, but it's this mindset of looking at others and saying, look at them. Look at the way that they dress. Man, that, that, that person's got tattoos. Why do they have so many tattoos? I'll give you th- some thoughts here as we close out. Reasons that we should not be judging others. One is we don't have the whole story or all the facts. The story about a judge, Judge Peter Abair, and his kids ask him. He was reading Purpose Driven Life, a great book written by Rick Warren, and they're asking him, Dad, as you're a judge, how, how, how difficult is it? All these people come before you. What, what's your purpose in life other than putting people away in prison? He began to, to really think about that question. He'd been a judge for a long time, and he'd seen so many people come through, and he became jaded and became hard-hearted toward different things. And so he began to think about this, and this idea and this thought began to process in his mind. He says, listen, so many people come before me, and I truly don't know their stories. He began to research. One of the things that he saw a lot of were prostitutes that would come through. And so he, again, got to that point, just like, I just, they're just prostitutes. Put them away. One day began to do research, and he realized that almost 90% of women that are in prostitution were sexually abused by the time that they were eight. Almost 90% of the women that came through his court have been sexually abused by the time that they were eight, by their fathers, by their brothers, by their uncles, by a teacher, someone they had trusted. And it radically changed how he saw those that came before him to the point that he even started a ministry called Catch. Change attitudes to change habits. 
It became a two-year program for women that wanted to, to change their life, and he allowed them to go in. He, he funded it pretty much all of himself to start out, and so ladies could, for two years could live, and they could relearn habits to become free of where they were at and free of the drugs to, to, to numb the pain so that they could live and have life after this and develop those life skills. But because he began to know the story, began to ask questions and say, why are people, why is someone in this situation to get the whole story. We also can't be fully, purely impartial. It's just human nature that we see other people and we want to be better than them. The Greeks, even back in the old days, whenever there was a a serious, important um, trial, they wouldn't know the name of the person and they wouldn't turn on the lights. They would actually have the trial at dark so they could be fully impartial. They wanted to know the facts and only the facts so they could be as impartial as they could possibly be during the trial so that whenever they meted out whatever the sentence was that they didn't know the person's name they didn't know anything about them because they didn't want to walk someone walk before them that's a friend and be able to say well i'm going to be more lenient to them because i know the intentions of their heart they truly wanted to know the facts and only the facts it's difficult for us to be purely impartial and this no man is good enough no man or woman is good enough to judge another man or another woman Judge Aber, he said, the longer I judge, the more I realize I'm just like those individuals. The more that I stand in judgment of others, the more I realize that I am just like them. Once I get to know someone else's story, you begin to, to drink coffee with them and you get to know a little bit about their story and where they're at. You can see yourself in those and other than for the grace of God, you're not in their place. In those moments to put yourself in their shoes and to walk a mile in their shoes, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal how much you've been forgiven. This morning, as we think about other people's stories and where they're at and this natural ability of ours to judge, I want to show you a video as we close out our time of of the message this morning. And I want you to watch this video. And you're going to see at the beginning something that you think that you know. And at the end, you'll see something completely different. Let's watch this together. It reminds me that so many times we see something, see someone, and how quick we are to judge instead of jumping into their shoes, getting to know their story because we see that they're messy. We don't understand it. So our challenge for us as followers of Jesus is instead of judging, which just comes natural, is to jump into their shoes. Even though the shoes may stink, even though the shoes may have holes, but to jump in with them and to see the beauty that's there amidst the mess. But for the grace of God, go I. Some of our stories would be radically different. Some of you know someone that their story is radically different and that they are struggling and they're, they're in some mess. Hop in that mess. Join with them. Don't judge but walk with them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you saw our mess and jumped in. Father, you did create beautiful things. And each one of us are beautiful. You created unique, individual, one-of-a-kind things, people. And Father, we want to bring honor and glory to you. Instead of judging, jump in and say, God, what a great 
job you've done. As people's stories are unfolding all around us. Their stories are going to look different than us. But Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of it for just a moment. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.